The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies the voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We are dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. Hey everyone, Natalie Warner here, the President and Executive Director of Women in Agile Org. I wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. We're thrilled to have this as a platform to showcase the wisdom of our community. We'd love to get your help to amplify the reach of the series by asking you to go over to iTunes in order to rate and review us. After you're done, take a screenshot of your rating and review. Then post a screenshot to Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn and tag hashtag Women in Agile. If you do this, we'll not only reshare your post, but also add you to a monthly drawing to receive a Women in Agile goodie bag filled with WIA stickers and other treats. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. This is Leslie Morse here with another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. I'm delighted to have Lizzie Morris with me today. Lizzie has diverse experience across software delivery, project management, and strategic consulting. She holds both her certified Scrum Master Scrum Trainer, as well as Scrum at Scale Certified Trainer designations. And whether it's coaching, facilitating, or value stream mapping, she introduces innovative and pragmatic techniques for promoting team engagement and accountability. Lizzie, thank you for being here. Thank you for asking me, Leslie. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are welcome. Um, It's been quite a while since you and I have connected, and it was lovely to have you on the panel that was part of the Women in Agile 2020 virtual conference over the summer. And so I loved that it really put your name and face in front of me again, and we had an opportunity to sit down for this conversation. Yes, and found out that we've got rosemary things in common, which is fabulous. Yes. Um, <laughs> we did discover um, we may start an offshoot pod, Lizzie and Leslie cooking together. Um, <laughs> as well as we learned, we can probably talk for three hours if we'd like to. <laughs> right. But we won't do that. We won't subject y'all as listeners to that right. today. So, so Lizzie, let's just cut to the chase. Um, for people that may not know you, um, how did you find Agile? What is your sort of Agile origin story? So my Agile origin story is being at USAA, um, recently having moved to the country um, from the UK and being on a project and being told all about Agile this, Agile that. And I have to be honest, when it was first introduced to me, I thought it was a slop. I literally thought, okay, this is this American rubbish. They love to do all these crazy things. What are they doing now? That was my thought. Um, And then when I finally read the Agile Manifesto, you know, and on the old website, which is still there because we haven't, nobody's bothered to update it. Um, So, (laughs) you know, reading that and I made sure I was a signature too. The first time I discovered it, I put my signature on it. Um, I actually did that in a hotel. I was in a hotel when I did that, when I went online and I read it for myself. And I saw so many applications. So like, it seems so real to me of more of a belief system than what it had been presented as. So it was presented to me like a methodology, frameworks that you use. But when I read it, I'm like, that's not what this is at all, right? This really seems like a belief system, you know, a way that people believe principles that people are gonna live by. And it wasn't until, I want to say about five years ago, 
was it five years ago? Five, six years ago, I said something in a class with some people um, and it went to the caveat of, it's like a religion, you choose to believe in it or not. And if you do, you live and breathe it. And, and I venture to say there's actually something, this, this may be a bridge too far. There's actually something biological or predisposed in our genetics to believing this sort of stuff. Ah, now see, I would believe in that because I watch all those crazy shows that talk about genetic makeups and yeah, because like some people like they like we just get it, and when we meet other people that get it, it's like, oh, we're like the same sort of people. Tribe, we're the same tribe. Yes, yes, yeah. And and I think that is a thing when we talk about us being agilists. Is there's we are united that the fact we believe these 12 principles and these four values could change your life, not just your organization. You can change the world. Right. I do believe that. I do. do Yes. I do. I think they and I I wrote years ago, I wrote an article about it, about how we could change the government and political system. And I said, well, if the government would just align to these 12 principles. And I changed, tweaked a couple for around software, make it about the community, what the community needs and people need. I said, it would be really different. Yes, We would be fine. We wouldn't have all these drama issues that we're having right now. Because I mean, if you take just principle that is there that talks about the fact that our highest priority is our customer. And I was talking- Period. Period, right? So who is the customer to the government? The people. So if the highest priority is the people who you serve, it's not about the money you're going to get to your budget so that you can take this little prop here and this little prop here, get to this dinner, get this ticket. It's about serving the people who put you in office. That principle alone could change the The world. world. Just that. Serve the people. Yes. You know, and then for everyday living, the idea that, an individual is going to interact with another individual and they aim to make that interaction as positive and as valuable as possible, then even if I disagree with you, because my value system is our interaction must drive value, I'm going to allow myself to pull back, pause and hear you differently. But if only we could get everybody. Yeah, yeah. And let's be really honest. When we just look at our community of Agilists, we are not good about this with each other Uh, all the time. Nor are we as Agilists, those that are helping others in the world deal with and work with change more rapidly and all of these things. We are not always the best at accepting change ourselves. Human. We're humans. We are human. We're human. And I I think the same way we want people to give us that little break in, okay, okay, I know I didn't do it, you know, and we take our failure bows, etc. I think we have to serve that out amongst our entire community, not just at functions and things, but where we give each other the room to fail. Yes. Because considering we're supposed to be agilist and all about reflecting on how to improve, the only reason you ever have to improve is if something doesn't go so great. Yeah. 
which means we ought to have a built-in mechanism to give people breathing room to fail or say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing with the thought process that we're going to come alongside them on the journey to be better and do better. And then I have to point to, if we're going to make this a principles-based discussion, the principle that I think so many of us frequently violate is the one around sustainable pace, because that space for failure only comes with sustainable pace and just the societal conditioning we have for Mm -hmm. high work and progress limits, you know, immediate responses, because we're always on our technology and all the things um, just make all of this really hard. And we are human. Mm -hmm. And I think COVID did this amazing thing. So I don't, regardless of whether it was bioengineered, I believe nature came in and said, we will use it to our advantage to try to reset this race of humanity. And because we're going to reset them and put them in a pause, they're going to see things they haven't seen before that they've been overlooking. Because if we were not in a COVID state, a lot of the things that have caught our attention that have rallied us together wouldn't have caught our attention. Totally agree. We just because we're busy in that sustainable space. What the hell does that mean to us freely? We're here, we're there, we're on this plane, that plane, this conference, that conference, right? All in the name of making the world agile. But finding that real balance between living agility, working agility, and being agile is probably one of the biggest problems we're always going to be trying to solve for. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to, I want to use that phrase um, that you were talking about, like the things we're noticing, right. Because of COVID and, and really like pull that back to a meta level. So uh, you're, I think it's safe to say you're a mover and shaker in our industry. You're out and about and you know, a lot of people, people know you, what have you experienced and noticed about the role of women in our community over the years? Some of the biggest, I would say, right turns to take us in a different direction, I think have been challenged and pushed forward by us as women. Um, You take Lisa Adkins, we could almost call her our our mother deity almost, right, (laughs) in the agile world, in making a choice to put what we should be doing, coaching, up front. Mm -hmm. People factor, well, take care of the people, look at how the people react within the system she pushed that to the forefront, right? And really brought about that we need to look at this thing called coaching because we've got these people. And then I look at what recently women in Agile did with having a conference with a panel of black women in Agile. Who else has done that? Nobody. Again, women have taken the forefront. And when I have seen, and even conversations I've had where people have contacted me, how women are rallying around, let's make change happen. How do I partner with you and how do I partner here? Tell me I want to learn. And even when I look outside of our world, um, I think I brought it up in Thorn and Agile, there was a picture and I got to go find the picture because I comment on it so much. There is a picture of protesters and a whole line of white women linked standing in front of them to protect them. I think that just was like, you know, amazing to me. I do believe that when change really has to happen in a society, and especially a Western society, it's women who drive it. 
And I believe the reason we drive it, and you'll pardon me for sounding sexist because this is going to sound in our society today, the way it is, this is going to sound super sexist. So I apologize, but I do believe this nonetheless, right? Women control two things. They ultimately control the men they're in relationships with, right? And I won't be gross to say, to say how, but we do, right? And we control the future because we're the nurturers ultimately, right? Whether we're working women or not, we are always the ones who are going to influence the next generation. So because we sit in those power seats, if stuff's going to change, it's really going to be us who changes it. And we may never get the credit for it. Yeah. We may never get the credit for it, but we'll be the ones who will push it. So, so with that, and knowing we are still operating from in, from disadvantaged positions, right? Still, as women in technology, there's not complete parity. It's getting better, even in our own agile community, right? I think the initiatives of women in agile and putting that spotlight on, right? No, I won't speak at this conference unless there are right women there, and and making that very deliberate and intentional sort of decisions. What would you say are the one or two sort of challenges or places we need to be focusing as women in order to advance what the next wave of agility could be? I think we need to be having more conversations like this, more events that we put on as women. So we choose the platform and more women consultancy practices coming up. So then um, I had this thing some years back that I made a joke about, and I said there needs to be like an agile angels consultancy. That's all women, right? Women developers, women strategists, just a whole like woman power kind of thing. That that's what we should do. We should do that, and then we should go to colleges and look for young women, and we could get the finance because everybody wants to finance women's projects. And so I went on this banter um, this one evening. Uh, with some friends, but I think it's going to be those little small things. Yeah. You know, where we are together, let's make the sound of our voices so much louder. Yeah. I have this very strong belief that when you look at women, we're like lots of different bodies of water. Mm. So you've got streams, you've got rivers, right? You've got swamps, you've got watering holes, but they're all bodies of water. But here's one thing water all does. It eventually converges in the ocean. Now, when you look at an ocean, it can just look beautiful, like it's just bouncing around. But you don't want to play with the ocean because there's so much power underneath the ocean that can kill, swarm, bring to life. And I think when women come together in sisterhood, that is the power of the ocean manifested. I love that metaphor. That's what we have to do is realize our united power. Yes. To make real change. The kind of change we all want for our lives, our children's, our communities, our workplace is going to come from sisterhood. So then let me ask, like, if we're going to put that mirror in front of us as mm -hmm. women in Agile, what are the things within our sisterhood system as it exists today that are holding us back from that achieving the ultimate power of that united unity that you're describing i think sometimes we can be very incestuous we only stay with who we know so we don't reach out past that so if i know you you and i will do stuff together yeah. and you may introduce somebody you know and then you me and them 
but we don't go mass looking for all of us to come together. Now, maybe we're maybe because we're in tech, a lot of us are, you know, secret introverts. I mean, because I know I am introverted and maybe there's a lot of secret introverts in the agile community or female. So maybe that's why we're not reaching out. But I think we're going to have to go past our comfort zone and talk to women we've never talked to before. And it become a thing like a call it like a sprint goal. Yeah. Every week you Who's reach the out new to person. Four new, right. Four new yeah. people you've spoken to who are women in the agile community and yeah. got to know them a little bit about them, you know, more than just their, uh, they're a Kanban person or they're an XP person or they work at Accenture more than that. Learning the woman. Yeah. Because until we make a connection beyond our technology, there is no sisterhood. Yeah. Until we both find that we're freaks about loving rosemary and cooking with rosemary. Like what are those common threads that bind us? Absolutely. And you'll never know those unless there's real collaboration that happens. Right. Yeah. Um, permission to get even more real. Okay, go ahead. What else might you want to share about this experience, right? Drawing from the panel of black women that you were on, um, at right. The women in agile virtual conference this summer. What about that unique experience of yours is important for listeners to know, um, especially speaking, right, to people that look like me, like, you know, because in our women in agile community, it mostly is, you know, white cisgendered women. So like, what are the things we still need to be hearing and doing in order to create more space for people that look like you? You have got, I was hoping when we had that panel, it demonstrated how many faces we put on to work. Right. So there's so many layers of clothing that we're putting on before we ever have a conversation with anybody. So what do we do to help us have authenticity? Because it was obvious from talking to us that our authenticity is very much intentionally created for whatever audience we find ourselves in. Which at which point, how authentic is it really? if you're having to intentionally curate it based on the audience you're around. Like I'm just so present and aware that the the black women that I know and have worked with and am so fond of, like, I don't know if I really know them. Like is the verge like, so I'm having to like ask these questions, like, do, like what do I not know? Cause I just didn't realize that I might not know. Mm-hmm. But here's, here was the wonderful thing. And this is something that challenged me. Yolanda challenged me. And I, I still haven't spoken to her to let her know just how much she challenged me. In listening to Yolanda and watching her, I said to myself, oh my God, I am so not a black female. That's literally what I said to myself. In listening and watching her. Because I have almost prided myself on my professionalism, my image, you know, to be on point on everything. And I've never allowed the the blackness of me, so to speak, to really ever really be out there, right? That's something you would have to like be in my house and be around me, you know, to really ever see that side of me. And I didn't realize how much I didn't even like that side. Mm until I was listening to Yolanda 
So that made me realize I have been practicing a certain level of self-hate. Right now, I'm not saying anybody else has been doing that, but I know for myself, when I took a couple of steps back and I looked at myself, I thought about it because I thought about the people I mentor, right? So I mentor quite a few people of color like me and the advice I've given them over the years. So I have given them advice so that they mold themselves to be like, kind of like what I am in essence, not like me, but their version of a like me, that makes sense. So they can position themselves corporately, make the money they want to make to set their lives up and make a great career. Because I hadn't seen a path. And I'm going to be honest to you, today, I still don't see a path. Okay, so I'm not going to pretend like I do today. But I have not seen a path that is open in corporate for you to climb in all of your blackness. Mm. Now I've seen, like, like, like once that's you just, arrive. Yeah, right, let's just give that a minute. Okay. I, I want to give that a minute, Lizzie. Yeah. Like that's, that's big, right? You don't see a path where no. you can be successful in corporate and live all of your blackness. Am I no. getting that right? Absolutely. I don't, I don't see one. Mm-mm. I don't see one. And I know I have colleagues, friends who are black saying, well, we're going to make it happen. We're going to, and I'm like, okay, I don't see it. And this is, and they're going to make it because it doesn't exist. Now it's different if you are in entertainment or a creative genre. Okay. So writing or whatever, you can present that part of yourself because it's part of your artistry, if that makes sense. But even Blacks in Hollywood who are creative, who I've spoken to, right, quite a few, still struggle with making equality for them as Black artists in Hollywood to earn the same kind of money and have the same kind of opportunities. And I'm, I'm sitting here, Lizzie, in this inquiry of your metaphor of the ocean and what is the calling of this, like the power of the sisterhood in that, like, organic, sometimes fierce, sometimes dangerous, sometimes gentle, but ever evolving ocean. How can that power serve us in a way to, to, to go after what you're, this challenge you're describing? And, and like, I don't, I know I don't have the answer, but like, that's just like an inquiry. I just invite everybody to sit in. And it is something to sit in because Here's something I've been sitting in uh, since last week. I've been sitting in the concept that I am living in another civil rights movement of today. And that just, it hit me last week, right? Yeah. And I'm like, so what am I supposed to do? And I don't have an answer to that yet. Yeah. I, I don't have an answer. I'm, I'm toying with, well, I'm a natural teacher right? I'm about teaching people to get to aha moments. So do I use that to help people get to the aha moments so then people can make a change? Because I'm just living in the UK all the years that I did, because I was born and raised there. I did not expect to come to a country to see the movies that I'd seen on TV. So I watched a lot of American TV, right? I loved American TV. I never expected most of those movies to be based on real life. So I didn't realize they were really these huge ghettos of people and all this 
violence and crime that it was I thought it was fictional stuff for movies mm. and I came to America and was like whoa it's real it's real literally my first year and a half in America I used to take lots of pictures and text them back to my friends in the UK go look look at the streets they really look like this oh my gosh it was just like <gasps> shock 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 and think about Martin Luther King is dead okay he's dead it's been a really long time Malcolm X, dead, been a really, really long time. Marcus Garvey, and why can't I think of that guy who is so eloquent and moved to Europe and he gave that speech at Oxford University with that guy and now his name is gone. Everybody's going to hate me, but you'll know who he's giving these great speeches, you, right? Um, yeah, and I'll find I the name. I can't think of it either. I can't think of the name. I'll find the name and I'll, I'll give it to you, right? I look at all these people who were like kind of iconic movie people of, ooh, look at what they did for America. America should be so different. Yeah, I'm here and now I'm having to ask myself the questions they probably asked themselves. Now, okay, nobody today necessarily is turning on a hose and just aiming it at blacks. Okay, you might not be doing that today. Maybe today there isn't anybody going and putting up a firing cross today. But today the world is very different. So now we have digital voices right? Mm -hmm. Now we're seeing, we have mass media everywhere. So wherever you do, you're going to be on camera, possibly, even if you don't realize that somebody could be taking something yeah. and beam you. So all the systemic problems that exist are coming to light to an in extremely intelligent generation. Now, I'm not saying the generations before weren't intelligent, but you're talking about generations now that are educated, self-educated, see everything, can research, can go dig behind the things and find out. This generation is now having to deal with stuff that hasn't been solved. So how do we do that? And that's, you know, with all the technology we have to hand today, with all the research, with all these mediums that we have, what can we do together? Yeah. So I have a mental image of the ocean taking over land when it does, you know, you have these tsunamis, yep, tsunamis. And just, right? And it just, I have a visual of that because you can, we possibly jail every single woman. <laughs> can you jail a thousand women at one time? I mean, I don't know if you can. So am I saying that we should run rapid? No, but I think we have to use our finesse, our voices yeah. and unite our voices and keep pushing. And I think the places we have to push is the corporate space because the yeah. corporate space produces the money that finances the lobbyists that then drive the politicians. Yeah. So if we can push our corporate spaces to say, look, you won't like what we'll do to you on social media if you don't fix it here fix it for our people here. Now let's fix it here. Now then let's fix it here. So and it's like, what's the backlog? Yes. Hi, right. And we yeah, I think yeah. I really feel as an agile community, we should do that. Yeah. It's and, like and, look and put one together and start working it as a project that will probably, I hope, well, I'm actually hoping we don't have to pass it on to next generations. I really do. But we may have to pass it on to next generations, but hopefully we'll have made such movement that where they take it will be then the stratosphere. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's just... Where when they, I had this dream that my granddaughter, when we mentioned these topics, will look at us like we're crazy. 
What are you talking about? Well, why would you have even? That's so stupid. You thought people were different. What people really? I have this thing that they look at us like, well, duh, why would you do that? You guys are so stupid. I have this dream of that, that equality being so normal across the genre of humanity that they will just think we were so weird. Like that's a that's a wonderful like, you know? visionary calling for all of us. And I think the the work you're leaning, you're calling us all to really get real with ourselves about what we can do here uh, is not easy and is not something that can be done alone, right? We need our support networks to do this. And it's not just support networks of like women in agile, right? There are different dimensions of support mm -hmm. networks. I've seen you talk about things like your spiritual and wellness sort of side, your physical mm -hmm. side, like your mental side. So when you think about support groups and nurturing for each other and ourselves as we do this sort of work, mm -hmm. what, what guidance and mentorship are you offering to women? So one of the things I'm opening up is the concept of a place where people can come and have a conversation. And I started that unintentionally because it wasn't like with an intention. I started that with Trish of let's just have a conversation. And I'm hoping that every time I hit a platform, I give people permission to feel unsafe and to feel okay about feeling unsafe to have a conversation. But yet finding the courage to have one. Yeah. Well, there is something about the, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable in order right. to actually enable change, right? Giving yourself permission to go to those uncomfortable places. And I, I'm curious why you're using the word unsafe versus uncomfortable. So is, the, what's the, the nuance there I, for you? Yeah. I say that is this is, when you think about psychology, psychological safety, right? Because it's one of the words we use. Sometimes I wouldn't feel safe right? Having a conversation across the lines with a black female about what does it really feel like for you coming in here every day? Mm. I'll feel safe to have that conversation because there's no relationship with this person for me to feel safe to have that conversation. So there's a time when there is, I'm not safe. I can't, don't talk about having courage yet. I don't yeah. feel safe. If I don't feel safe, what do I do? Mechanism defend, 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 defend. So there's times I may even say something that could sound so harsh and so racist just because I don't feel safe. It's not that I intended that. I never say, well, what's on the inside is going to come out. Yeah, I got it. But I can't even deal with that because I just don't feel safe anymore. Oh. All right? And a lot of people are not looking at that point. That. Yes. And I want people to understand you're going to feel times where you feel unsafe. And I'm not going to minimize your feeling unsafe to the multitudes of how every black female feels or every black male feels every day, because you've never experienced feeling unsafe and you do now. So taking where you are now, what would you be willing to do to be safe? And what do we need to give you? your support groups, your different support yes. groups on different levels to help you be able to push past that to a point where you can even reach out for the empowerment of courage. Mm. So it, it's, it's a step. It's yes. not a, yes. it's not a click like one, two, three, click your heels. And now you're going to be supporting every black person that exists. No, let's get real. Yeah. And for some yeah. people, 
that sense of unsafety is going to feel so overwhelmingly intense, they will deafen themselves to everything that's going on and blind themselves because they just can't handle that feeling. They've got no experience with this feeling and it's too much and they're just not for it. And you're going to bump into that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can't even describe sort of the somatic things that are happening to me listening to you talk about this. But I, it's yeah. that's why I say this is a this is a journey. journey. Yes, it's a journey, and there are going to be times that people want to jump off it. You know, you just want to jump off the train. I don't care if I'm going to get hurt. I ain't staying on this journey. I'm sorry, guys. I know I said I was going to support you, but whoa, no, no, no. Yeah. There's way too much at risk, and you can literally go back for reference points, right? Yeah. Look at what happened to people who came alongside the Martin Luther Kings, the Malcolm X's and came and started the civil rights movers. People burned down their businesses. They lose, they lost customers. There's things that happened to people who became allies. Yeah. Well, what would happen to you today now when you become an ally? There is always still a risk factor, right? And yeah. I'm probably more risk conscious of the risk factor because I'm still conscious, well, we still got to earn a living. People still got to raise children, still got to put kids in college. So do you really want to keep being up front? And that was something my team of support people asked me, Lizzie, you really sure you want to become a voice and start talking at this issue? Because once you do, it's going to stick. Yep. And are you willing to suffer what might come? Because now people see, oh, go to Lizzie. She's the race person. She talks about these. Do you really want that? And I thought about where I was at my point in life and my age and said, I, if I'm going to die, I want to die having intentionally done something to make lasting change, not fake change, yeah, but lasting change. And so that's why you're seeing me talk about stuff and I keep doing things, even if it's one person, two people show up or not. I want people to have a space so people know if they come to me, you got a space, I'm not going to judge you, where you can talk. I can aim to give you some education. I can aim to put you in some directions and look at stuff. And I'm taking that core part of the Scrum framework, empiricism, of saying it's constantly this experiment because we don't really have the right formula to make it work. Yeah. So I'm willing to be transparent and say I don't have the answers. And I'm giving you a space to be transparent and say, Lizzie, I want to, but oh my God, I don't know where to start. And then for us to inspect where we are at that moment, that moment and find the smallest step, the smallest adaptation we can make to make it better and to give us the strength to keep going on the journey to find out something else. I love that. And so thank you. You're, you're welcome. You're absolutely, <laughs> no, you're absolutely welcome. We all have you know, like I said, we're all wired for different reasons. And I, this morning, funny enough, I sat back and I thought about all the car accidents I've been in, um, the near bombings I've been in when I was in the UK. And you remember there was 9-11 and then afterwards we had a series of bombings and different mm -hmm. things that happened. And I should have been in one of the train stations that got bombed. But it was simply because one of my engineers showed up late that I wasn't. And I used to be such a stickler for time, like such a stickler for time, like, oh, it was a thing. After that day, time thing has never been a thing for me anymore. Most people don't realize that's what it is, right? But after that, I realized if something happens and we're starting to run late, let it happen. Let it take its flow. because it could. There be might different. be a reason. 
right? And so that's my consciousness around time. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I used to get really bent out shape about stuff. But after that point, I was like, mm -mm, no. And so I thought today, why is my life being spared? Why am I still alive with everything I've gone through? Right. Where so many instances, it makes no sense that I survived, but I'm here. And why am I here? And in this country at this point in time. And when I asked myself that question this morning, I said, okay, there's got to be a reason for me being, and there's got to be a purpose. I got to make sure I find the purpose to why I'm really here and start doing that. That's literally what I said to myself this morning. Because I kind of had this, you know, you kind of had this flashback of your life. Sometimes it happens yeah. to you when you're not thinking about it. It shows up and goes, hey, have a look at your life. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah. I thought, oh, I forgot about that. Oh, my gosh. I forgot. About okay. So what am I supposed to be doing with this thing called life? Yeah. You know, and so that's the question I'm churning. It's joined with, like I told you, a lot of questions that have come about about, about the last couple of weeks. So yeah. I think the universe is trying to get my attention of we really need you to get quite pointed in the rest of your life now. Here are some things we want you to attack. Yeah. And, and I make up that there are so many of us sort of sitting in that similar inquiry for whatever reason, almost like going back towards earlier in the conversation, the, the way lockdown is impacting us and we have this space to notice and to experience and to reflect differently now. Mm -hmm. As you're going, right, entering into this inquiry, what, what can you, as we start kind of start to wrap up, what might you be able to inspire listeners with around um, their own self-study, their own growth, their own development? Like, what are the things you plan to rely on as you go through this journey that may be of assistance and aid to others? Um, YouTube has become my best friend. I've liked YouTube before, but it was more for just music. But digging out old speeches, mm. listening to the people who were once here, what were their thoughts? What were the challenges? Are any of the challenges still similar? And where did they start the experiment with, right? Because again, I, I, I do have a scrum lean when I look at things, right? So where did they start that experiment with? And where, do, where can I take it forward from there? And now what books have people written? And who could be my ally? That's the questions I'm asking myself, right? So I'm digging for these things and just trying to take small movements. I've pushed myself, for instance, to say, I'm going to start doing more live stuff. I'm actually going to do something. And I said, okay, I'm going to put together this thing about In the Mirror with Lizzie, which is the concept of looking at issues from that transparency point. Let's look at it together so you're not looking at it alone. Yeah. And let's see together how we can inspect and adapt so the reflection is better. Oh, I love um, that metaphor. So that's something I'm getting ready to launch in the next couple of weeks. And every time people reach out to me, I reach back. That's one of the things I'm doing. When people reach out, I reach back. So I just let people know I'm an open space. And as I learn, I will share the learnings with people. Yeah, and and if, they, I, if, if people do want to connect with you and find the best way to get you. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Okay. LinkedIn. Look for me on LinkedIn. Your agile lady, look me up or Lizzie Morris. You'll find me. I got a red cardigan on. So you won't miss me on LinkedIn and just reach out. I will accept and I will have conversations. You know, we're here. We're at home right now. In essence, yeah. uh, the thing to do is just to talk. Yeah. The brightest ideas come out of people talking yes. and you've got to find when you go back to what I call it, the heart of the agile manifesto. A lot of people probably don't, but I do, you know, that statement says we, right. 
uh, uncovering better ways. Yes. So in my classes, I Period. always say, like that's right, we are uncovering better <laughs> ways. So I think the we is really quite potent to say, whatever we're going to do, you're not going to be able to do it by yourself. So if you recognize you can't do it by yourself, you got to find your we. Who's your we? Who's your we? Find them, unite with them, and figure out what you can do together. Because one brain is always better, right, on its own at just finding its own way and churning. But you put two, there's somebody to pull you out, right? So if you think even when you're rock climbing, right, two people. Who's on the leg? Right. Somebody can always pull the other one up. So you've got to find at least one other person. And I encourage people to find one other person who is nothing like you, right, to give you that back and forward of helping and doing, right? Because when you have somebody else, somebody else can be a mirror for you on how your adaptations need to be better. Maybe you need to say that a little bit differently because sometimes a little bit of sugar helps some really hard, nasty things get digested. So sometimes you got to be willing to, what's the sugar? Maybe it's humor. Maybe it's something we can put on this so we can digest this together because once we've digested it, now we can figure out a way forward. Yes. So we've got to stay open. And at this point in time, whether it's deserved or not, everybody needs to give each other the kindness of forgiveness. Oh my gosh. It was like I was channeling a statement around kindness and it came out of your mouth. Yeah, we've got, we've got, we've just got to do that. Be we have got kind to kind, each other. Kind at best, at yes. best and worst, kindness. Kindness. Right? Lizzie. We'll help get there. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Final thoughts, final things you want to share with listeners? Um, my final thing is change isn't easy, but it's doable. Yeah. Right. So let's just do this change thing together. And it's constant. As as long as the world keeps spinning, people, change is going to keep being here. So since yeah. change is going to keep being here, like the world is still here, we just got to get used to it. Yes. And just develop your change muscles. Right. And get somebody to spot you. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Lizzie, thank you. Thank you for getting real. Thank you for being energetic. Thank you for telling the truth and just showing up today. I so appreciate it. Thank you so much for asking me. And I really, really appreciate it. And I'm hoping, like I said, we start doing so many more stuff like this in our community um, and helping each other out. Yeah, absolutely. So listeners, lean into this, get into your own personal inquiry. What's Who's that new person you're going to find to be the mirror for you? And what's that one small change, right? So we can bring, inspect, and adapt into everything together with that hope of changing the world. Lizzie Morris, thank you for being our guest today. And thank you to listening for the, to listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. It is brought to you in partnership with the Women in Agile nonprofit organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or a coworker about this podcast. You can always go online to womeninagile.org to find out more about our initiatives and access additional inspiring podcast conversations. Thanks for listening to this Women in Agile podcast episode. Find more inspiring conversations by visiting womeninagile.org slash podcast, checking out the podcast series on iTunes, or visiting your podcast application of choice. If you have an idea for a topic, speaker, or feedback on an episode, please reach out to us via email through podcast at womeninagile.org.